And we have Sam Hopwood in the studio from Sable International to discuss the reopening of Australia. Australia had some of the harshest lockdowns in the past two years. Hi, Sam. Are there more opportunities available now again down under? Hi, Linda. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having us today and, and thanks for your introduction. Yes, we've been closed for two years. And as someone who travels the world quite a bit for business and for pleasure, um, I can tell you that we're very happy to be reopened again. From an immigration point of view, having our country, you know, more or less closed off to the rest of the world for two years throughout the pandemic was, was difficult. We're a country that has relied on our immigration system to assist our economy and our general populace to help you know, grow the country through the course of time. You know, we're an, we're an immigrant country. We've taken people from all over the world. And to close ourselves off for two years has hurt many parts of our economy and different industries. So it's, it's a welcome relief now to know that the borders are open. You can come to Australia. General visitors can come. Students can come. People can come visit their family members. And skilled migrants can come back to Australia as well. So a lot of industry and a lot of government, a lot of businesses are, are really happy that we are where we are now and um, hopefully the worst of the pandemic is, is behind us. So as an immigration professional, and I've been in the business for 20 years now, I hope that's the worst we'll ever see the industry. And it did get pretty bad there for a while. But we have some positivity in the industry now. And I speak with a lot of my clients, uh, my corporate clients here in Australia, who are really eager to welcome new skilled migrants to Australia. And I thought today we could talk about some of the opportunities that do exist for people who have been overseas wanting to come to Australia for, you know, the last two years and, and probably longer it's been on their minds and uh, the pandemic has perhaps uh, increased that uh, that drive to want to come to Australia. So there are opportunities now and I think there'll be more opportunities going forward across the course of the next two years. Okay, we're definitely keen to hear in what fields, what is on the shopping list of Australia right now? Yeah, for sure. There's so many different aspects of immigration that we could talk about, but the first one I'm going to start with is the student visa industry, and one of Australia's largest export industries is our education industry. A lot of people come to Australia to study, and unfortunately, in the pandemic, the students were more or less locked out of Australia, and many of them returned home to their home countries and were forced to do so because there wasn't any support for them here throughout the pandemic. But the universities are really eager to welcome people back to Australia, to welcome students back to Australia. And for people who perhaps don't have other visa options or are struggling to get into Australia and need to get their foot in the door, student visa is a really good option. You might have a bachelor's degree from overseas and are considering studying a master's degree. You might have a couple of years of experience. And then to come to Australia to study a master's, you then acquire a post-study work visa for two or three years, which lets you gain more experience and often allows you to find yourself an employer, which leads to bigger and better things. So for people who have been scouring the immigration system for Australia and have been unable to find themselves a solution, I'd encourage them to think about coming to Australia to study. It will increase their academic qualifications, of course, which increases their employability. But as I keep saying, it's a foot in the door. It, you get into Australia, your spouse can work whilst you're studying, um, and there's lots of opportunities that arise from, from becoming a student here in Australia. So that's that's the first thing I wanted to talk about. 
And then the next thing we could talk about is what we refer to as general skilled migration. Mm-hmm. General skilled migration is the traditional route of entry into Australia for many visa applicants. Here in Australia, we use terminology of subclasses of visas and 189, 190, 491, these are all the general skilled migration visas which have more or less been put on hold um, for a long period of time because of the pandemic. The, the government stopped invited people to apply for these visas hmm. because they didn't want to process visas who were stuck off, for people who were stuck offshore. And now our borders are open again. We're going to see general skilled migration take off again. It will be perhaps more selective than it was in the past and people who work in particular occupations will be targeted by the government and those occupations which they will target will be determined based on our labour market needs and I can tell you that here in Australia our spending in our spending by government in areas of infrastructure is is huge at the moment so we're building more roads and rails and ports and airports and probably than we ever have done in our history of our nation and we have an absolute shortage of skills in construction so if you're a civil engineer if you're a site engineer if you're a surveyor if you have experience in tunneling if you build stuff if you build stuff just in in general construction building houses we're building a, a whole lot of houses we don't have enough bricklayers we don't have enough plumbers or electricians these are really common areas of skill shortages in australia and it's my opinion that we will see our state and federal governments turn back towards the general skill migration program and that there will be opportunities for people overseas looking to come to Australia who have these particular skills. Well, the building one sounds interesting. So it's anybody in the building industry, that would be a good person to maybe get a, a visa quite fast. Yeah, um, I'm hesitant to use the word fast based on the fact that governments don't move fast in my experience. So True. there'll be talk about policy and there'll be change in policy and there'll be, you know, redirection and there'll be a lot of, uh, bureaucratic spin, but they, they will try and direct their energy towards meeting the labor market needs. The terminology of fast, where we can see the immigration system move fast at the moment, and, and this leads into my next topic of conversation was mm-hmm. the use of employer sponsored visas. Uh, The government in recent times has more or less put pressure on employers here in Australia to say, well, if you need overseas skilled labour, you go and get it. There are avenues for employers to sponsor overseas foreign nationals. It comes at a cost and perhaps in the past our general school migration program has fulfilled the needs of the labour market in general. But in more recent times when that general school migration slowed down, employers have had to step into the breach and go and find their own skilled labour from overseas and then sponsor people. And the beauty of this system is that it does move relatively quickly. And when you have an employer who's finding an overseas worker to fill a role in their business, that's an immediate need. They have that shortage which is happening now and they need to fill that role now. So business moves quickly. And we've seen some applications process in some occupations as quickly as sort of four to eight weeks. So if you're a construction project manager, if you're a civil engineer, if you're a nurse, if you work in 
IT security. These are occupations which are in high demand. The government are aware that they're in high demand. The government's built certain occupation lists here in Australia, which has placed people and occupations on a priority schedule. And if you're one of the few who are on these priority schedules, then you can see your applications processed really quickly. Mm. So we've seen people come into Australia both during the pandemic and, and now uh, once the borders are, are more fully open, some people have relocated super quick. It's, mm. it's one positivity of uh, the immigration system that the employer-sponsored visas can be processed quickly. So people who might be in the construction industry and think, oh, this is a nice opportunity, should they be on the lookout for what the government is going to announce or should they be proactive? Yeah, I probably wouldn't wait for government. I, I would make your move now in regards to getting prepared. So our financial year starts on the 1st of July each year and at that period of time the government announces quotas for visas for the forthcoming financial year. So in July of this year, federal government will release new quotas of visas. It's my opinion that we'll see an increase and, and it's, well, it's my opinion, but they've stated it in their forward estimates in, in their budget as well to say that they're, they're going to increase certain visa quotas. So you've got some time now. You've got three or four months to get ready and there's certain things that you need to do as a visa applicant and, and it doesn't matter if you're a student or an employer sponsored or if you're just setting down this path and getting ready. You need to do certain things. So get your documents in order. Have you got your unabridged birth certificates? Have you got your unabridged marriage certificates? Perhaps go and apply for a police check. You're probably going to need a skills assessment. Some of these things can take three or four months to get, to get ready. Go and do an English language test. And there's so much that needs to be done in preparation to submit a visa application. And I talked earlier about some of these applicants who have been processed in as little as four to eight weeks. A lot of those applicants spent you know three or four months getting ready just to submit a visa application so all, all the stuff in the background takes time and the more prepared you are if you start getting prepared now then in july of this year when other opportunities do become available then you'll be ready to hit the ground running so to speak and this is where you guys come in Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm a migration agent. I have a team of people both here in Australia and in South Africa and in the UK who will assist our clients, instructing them on what they need to do in assessing them to give them advice on potential options and then to go through the process of preparing documents, preparing information getting them ready, getting their family ready, ensuring that all the checks and balances are in place so that they have maximised their opportunity in the future. Australia is open now, but it was quite severe in its COVID restrictions. Is there any chance of, you know, things closing up again? Yeah, good question. Um, could we see our borders close again? Gee, I hope not. I think government are really reluctant to go back to anywhere close to the restrictions that we had. We did have some of the most restrictive lockdowns in the world, it seems, for periods of time. As an island nation, I think we utilised our potential isolation for a long period of time quite well to our advantage, but I don't think government want to go back there. I can see the damage it does to the economy and to community and to mental health and those types of things. And government have stated that, you know, we are where we need to be as far as vaccination rates are concerned, and we're living a more or less relatively free life here in Australia now. So fingers crossed, holding thumbs, we don't go back there. I don't think we will. 
potentially? I think for South African, the advantages of immigrating there is obvious. Um, can you summarize for us just at the end, why should they consider Australia above other English-speaking nations? Yeah, it's um, it's a good question. Uh, why why do South Africans have an uh, affinity and affiliation for Australia? I think our cultures are so similar. Um, you guys like to braai, we like to barbecue. You know, it's fairly similar. We both play rugby. You probably played a bit better than we do. We both play cricket. We probably got you on that front. We're an outdoorsy kind of a nation. So are you. You've got lots of wildlife that'll kill you. So do we. Um, we, we have these affinities in the way in which we approach our life, which is, you know, a little bit carefree and enjoying our life and our lifestyles. I've traveled South Africa extensively. Um, I'm normally there two or three times a year. And, um, I can tell that, you know, sitting around a braai and talking to people in South Africa is much the same as, you know, sitting around a barbecue and talking to people in, in Australia. So it's quite obvious to me why South Africans have that affinity for Australia. It helps that we both speak English. It helps that our education systems and our taxation systems and our general way of life and doing business, you know, uh, were both built on uh, a similar foundation and so the transition is not difficult uh it's it's a kind of a home away from home there's a lot of south africans here already um so you know finding fitting in and and finding someone who you can talk to and you know help you assimilate into life here in australia it's ha- it's good to have a taste of home what do you say to South Africans who say that, okay, we've got dangerous animals, but yours is so much more poisonous and toxic? It is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I do have people say to me, I say, I'm, I'd love to come to Australia, but you've got all those spiders and you've got all those snakes and, you know, I'm worried that a shark will eat me or the crocodiles will get me or, or something of those effects. The, the truth of the reality of the situation is that, you know, 80% of the population of Australia live in the major capital cities up and down the eastern seaboard and, and we're so far away from anything which will cause us any harm. You, you've got much more chance of being struck by a, a tram when crossing the road here in Melbourne than, than you have of uh, being injured by any sort of insect or snake or anything else to, to that matter. So, um, yeah, they're out there. Uh, if you do go into the bush, you do need to be a little bit, a little bit careful, but um, it's really not the threat that we allow the international world to, to think it is. I think we we quite like the fact that we've got a lot of poisonous stuff and we ride on those coattails a little bit too often, but uh, it's certainly not that bad. Uh, thank you, Sam Hopwood from Sable International. Thank you for speaking to us all the way from Melbourne. It's very early in your morning and it's late at my night. Thank you so much. Linda, it's been a pleasure.